Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 14. Hi, guys. This week is a twins episode week. If you are a mom of twins or you are pregnant with twins, definitely listen up. And this is going to be a really great episode to tune into. I interviewed my good friend on social media, Mama Dr. Jones. If you follow her or you know who she is, she's big time on Instagram. She's got like a crazy amount of followers on YouTube and a crazy amount of followers on TikTok. And she's just one of my favorite people on social media. And I interviewed her today for this episode because she has personal experience with twins. Her oldest daughters are twins. So she has personal experience. And then obviously she is an OB and she has a lot of professional experience taking care of twins. So we talked about her story of delivering her twins. And then we dove into some specific medical questions about twins, about the differences between twin pregnancy and singleton pregnancies. And can you only have a C? sections? No. Can, do you have to have an epidural? Can you still breastfeed? All of these good questions. So I am super excited to dive into this episode. So let's get started. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be here. Yeah. Can you just start by telling listeners a little bit about yourself and your family, where you're from, all that good stuff? Sure. So my name is Danielle Jones, and a lot of people know me as Mama Dr. Jones on the internet. And I am a newly board certified OBGYN practicing in Texas. And I have a passion for teaching people about pregnancy and GYN and just general health information on the internet. I am also a mom to four. I have twins who will be seven soon, which is oh absolutely <laughs> impossible. Yeah. And I have a three-year-old and I have a one-year-old. Awesome. Awesome. So you're very busy. You're a very busy mama. Yes, but I don't like being bored. So it works out. I don't either, Danielle. I don't either. And that is why. And I complain about I'm like, I got so much going on. But then when I don't have anything going on, I'm like, I'm just sitting here bored. So I I feel you. That's when it's dangerous, right? If people who are content creators have any boredom, then we pick up a new project. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like just the other day, I was emailing somebody that I'm going to work, you know, I pitched the idea I'm going to work on a collaboration for, but it's like a big project. And I was like, what am I doing? But then I'm like, no, this is going to be really fun. But then I'm like, I'm already create, you know, got so much stuff going on. So yeah, it's just 
the madness. It's fun. I can't complain. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. That's how the whole YouTube channel came about because yeah. I was on maternity leave and I was like, huh, I don't know. I have oh, really? I'm going to start a YouTube channel. Hey, I mean, best time to do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it was for me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, today, guys, this episode is all about twins. Okay. And since Mama Dr. Jones is now a board certified OBGYN, we're going to dive deep into some questions about twins. And she said it in the beginning, but she actually has personal experience having twins and having a twin pregnancy. So Danielle, can you just first kind of talk about your experience getting pregnant with your twins and, you know, a little bit into your birth story and, you know, how your twins were born. And then we can talk a little bit more about some questions. Sure. So When I was in medical school, we had been trying to get pregnant for a while and it wasn't happening. And I ended up getting on Clomid. Mm -hmm. And after a few months on Clomid, we ended up getting pregnant. And a few weeks after that, found out that there were two. Mm. So my twins are Clomid babies and they are fraternal. So they each had their own sac and own placenta. And they are both girls, but they're not identical. Mm -hmm. And I had a relatively uncomplicated pregnancy for the first 33-ish weeks, which is great for twins because sometimes that's not the case. So I felt really lucky that we did so great. And then around 33 weeks, I started feeling bad and my blood pressure started getting high and Mm. I ended up getting diagnosed with preeclampsia and Amelia was baby A. She was breech. And so at 35 weeks, when I got even more sick and we decided that it was time to go ahead and deliver because of the preeclampsia. She was breech and she was baby A. So I found out and I had known for a while that she was breech and likely it would have to be a C-section because of that. Right. And, And I was so like initially when I found out so devastated, like these are my first babies. This isn't what I planned. Obviously being a type A person, I wanted to plan everything. Yep. Um, and I just remember like sitting in my OB's office and just bawling, like, can't you turn it, like make, make her cooperate. And, you know, she's like, she's your kid. You tell her to cooperate, you know, babies just don't listen. And so at the time that we ended up deciding it was go time, she was still breech and I was terrified and I'd never had surgery before. And they put my spinal in and laid me down. And I thought like, I can feel everything. This isn't working. Mm -hmm. And they got started and I I couldn't feel anything at all. And everything went just perfectly fine. And it was so much less terrible and scary than I anticipated it being. We also didn't know if they were boys or girls. So that was super fun. And to find out at the time of delivery. I love that. I, the same thing with Walter. I didn't know if he was a boy or a girl. And I feel like that's a lot. It's a lot more common in general now. I feel like people are kind of starting to do it more, but I feel like it's even more common with people who work in childbirth OBGYNs or labor and delivery nurses because it's just, and you probably agree with me, like whenever you're in that sort of birth where they don't know, like it just gives a different kind of element of surprise and it's just a different kind of feel in the room. So I feel like it is more common, but I'm actually, that's funny that you said that because you said you're like super type A. So I'm surprised that you were like, yeah, let's not find out. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, I wasn't really like that. <laughs> My husband, who was the most laid back, easygoing person ever, he just never asked for anything. When we were early pregnant with the yeah. twins, he's like, we should make it be a surprise. And I was like, listen, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> oh, no. <This laughs> so it was really, him. 
I really want to. And I'm like, really, you never asked for anything and this is what you want. And so <laughs> that's, that's so what we great. Did because of him. And I really, really enjoyed it. Like after yeah. we got past the 20 week scan, it was so fun to not know and have that surprise. It was so fun. Yeah. That's exactly how I felt like I was like, Oh, maybe I want to know. Maybe I want to know up until I got to the anatomy scan. And then once it was like, okay, we're good. Like they scanned him and we don't know. And now I'm not going to, I had a couple other ultrasounds later in my pregnancy, but you know, I thought, okay, there's no other real chance for me to know. So I'm like, okay, now, now at like 33 or 35 weeks, I'm like, if somebody tells me I'm going to be pissed because I've waited this long, you know what I mean? I had those exact feelings. (laughs) I would tell my doctor, like, if you know, you better not tell me if you see, you better just not say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, that's great. So remind me, did you have, at what week did you have them? Was it because of your preeclampsia? You had to have them a little bit early? Yes. They were born at 35 weeks. 35. For pre-eclampsia. Okay. Gotcha. Which in gotcha. twin world, I mean, that's no. not too bad, but they not were four, four pounds, 13 ounces and four pounds, 10 ounces. And they both spent less than a week in the neonatal ICU. Actually, I was in the hospital longer than them because my blood pressures were out of control. So they ended up coming back to our room before any of us got discharged. Oh, really? Gosh. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, let's get into some of these questions. If you guys are listening and you have a twin pregnancy, or if you're just interested in twin pregnancy and want to listen to a podcast about twins, let's talk about some of these questions. So the first one is, what are some of the main differences between a twin pregnancy and just having a singleton pregnancy? Yeah. So I would say from the standpoint of a mom who's pregnant with twins, one of the biggest differences is going to be that you're going to feel a lot more pregnant a lot sooner than you would with a singleton. Mm -hmm. So you usually will start showing earlier. You'll be measuring a few weeks ahead and it just feels a little bit different from there. People who are pregnant with twins have a tendency to have a little bit more nausea and vomiting early on because they Mm -hmm. have higher HGG levels related to the fact that there's two babies in there. Mm. And that's correlated with higher rates of nausea and vomiting. Then as you move along, you're probably going to have a lot more ultrasounds. Usually for fraternal twins, die-die twins, we will do, that's not the same thing. Die-die and fraternal have a little bit different meaning, but we can talk about that if we want to. Yeah. Um, But For twins who don't share a placenta, usually we're going to have an ultrasound every four weeks or so, as long as Mm -hmm. everything is going smoothly. And then if you have twins who share a placenta, and especially if you have twins who share a sac, then you're going to have more frequent ultrasounds even than that. And then as far as differences in nutrition, you certainly need slightly more nutrition. I try to talk to my patients about high protein diets and making sure you're getting plenty of protein. And that doesn't translate to just needing a whole lot more calories. It's just really important to make sure that you have nutrition dense foods and that you're paying attention to your protein intake and all of your vitamins. Good tips. Good tips. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, this kind of leads into like the next question in terms of delivery. What are some of the main differences that somebody could expect during like a twin delivery that would be different than having just one baby. And I know you, we already kind of talked about it with your babies being born early. I think that's one of the main differences that twins have a higher likelihood of being born a little bit early, but I'll let you go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So twin pregnancies have a much, much higher rate of preterm delivery. Mm -hmm. And 
I would say probably 75% of twins are born preterm. Now, importantly, a large portion of those are going to be late preterm. So in the like 34 to 37 gestational age point. Mm -hmm. And that is important because there's a big difference between having a 35-week preterm delivery and a 25-week preterm delivery. So preterm is very common, but most of the time it's not so preterm that you have to have concerns about major issues related to that. Although there are some concerns, obviously. The other things about delivery would be, what is our mode of delivery going to be? And that's going to depend on a few things. And one of those is going to be what kind of twins they are. And if they are in the same gestational sac, then they can't be delivered vaginally, not Mm -hmm. safely. But as long as they have their own amniotic sac, if baby A is head down, the literature says that proceeding with vaginal delivery, as long as you have a doctor and team who is prepared to do a breach delivery of baby B, and that would be something that you have to talk to your doctor about their comfort level with. And there's no increased risk of problems related to vaginal delivery in an otherwise uncomplicated twin pregnancy when the baby is vertex. And that's, there's actually a really great YouTube video that the New England Journal of Medicine reviewed an article and kind of put some animations to it about mode of twin delivery, which I just love. I'll send it to you after this. You can link it somewhere, but it's so good. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. And then if you are having a vaginal delivery, most of the time we're going to do that in the operating room just because after baby A comes out, there is a chance that baby B either will not come down or like the head won't be there or the feet won't be there, whichever way that baby decides to come out or that baby won't tolerate the process of delivery. And you want to be close to the OR so that you can change your plan if you need to. And that doesn't mean that most of the time you have to change the plan. It just means we'd rather have that safety net there and use that if we need to. Better be safe. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people don't realize that. And, you know, later on in their pregnancy, as we're talking in prenatal visits, your provider usually is going to say, hey, like, probably going to, you know, give birth in the OR. But yeah, I think that's something that is not recognized that, oh, this is pretty common that it's Mm -hmm. not that then that doesn't mean that you have to have a C-section. Like I think sometimes when we say, oh, you got to deliver in the OR, it's like, oh, that means I have to have a C-section. No, it just means that we have to deliver in the OR. Exactly. And, you know, I remember when my OB told me that early on before I knew that I was going to have a C-section. And again, at the time I was a medical student before I was a doctor, I just remember like feeling like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing. I don't Mm -hmm. want to do that. And now having been involved in a lot of twin deliveries and my own delivery, it's okay. And it may not be exactly what you planned and it may be a little bit different, but it's okay. And as long as you have someone on your team that you really trust, you're going to leave feeling like everything was you know, it may not have been exactly to plan. Mm-hmm. I always tell people it's kind of like planning a wedding. Like yeah. you can plan all the aspects that you want, but don't try to plan the weather. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. No, I was just going to say about the OR, like we can make it nice and calm in there. You can kind of turn off the lights if you want to, but we have a little iPod thing that you can plug your phone into and play music if you want. Exactly. Like it yeah, can be a I nice, love relaxed, you know, environment. <laughs> 
That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, the next question is, what are the different, and we touched on this just a little bit, but let's really dive deep into what are the different types of twins and which are kind of the most common and which ones are the ones that kind of come with more risk? Yeah. So there are essentially most people know identical and fraternal. And the difference between those is what we call in medicine, monozygotic or dizygotic. So that means they came from one fertilized egg or two fertilized eggs. Mm -hmm. So identical twins come from one egg, one sperm, and fraternal twins come from two eggs, two sperm. Mm -hmm. So the fraternal twins are the lowest risk because they have the least amount of structures shared in utero. Mm -hmm. They're always going to have, if it came from two eggs that were fertilized by two sperm, they're always going to have all of their own structures like the placenta and amniotic sac and all of that. Mm -hmm. Now, when you look at twins who are monozygotic or they came from one egg, one sperm, and then split after fertilization, how long it was between the time of fertilization until the time that that split happened determines how many of their structures that they share. So monozygotic twins can be in completely separate sacs and have completely separate placentas if they split really early on after fertilization. And that would make them essentially the same risk as a non-identical twin. Gotcha. If they split a little bit later, they will share a placenta and that brings in some additional risks to the pregnancy like twin to twin transfusion syndrome. Mm -hmm. If they split a little bit later, they may share a placenta and an amniotic sac. And that brings in another host of complications because they don't have a dividing membrane and they can get their cord tangled up and Mm -hmm. move around each other. Mm -hmm. And that's called mono-mono twins. And then if they split even later, then they could share actual physical structures like conjoined twins would. That's extremely rare. So how common or how rare is basically the same as how long it has been since they split. So gotcha. it proceeds in that same way. Gotcha. Cool. Well, this next question we kind of already answered, but we'll go over it again. And this one is just, can we can debunk this. Can I have a vaginal delivery if I have twins or can I only have a C-section? <laughs> Yeah. So you can definitely have a vaginal delivery. And importantly, who's a good candidate for that depends on a bunch of different factors and is very individualized. So I would say if you have a doctor who is comfortable with delivering the second baby breech, then anytime you have a otherwise healthy pregnancy and babies who are not extremely premature, then if baby A is head down, it's safe to plan for a vaginal delivery. Again, you need someone on your team that's comfortable with doing a breech delivery for baby B though. Yeah, that's very, very important to add to because there's, and I don't know what kind of hospital that you work in, but it sounds like it's probably a similar hospital that I work in, but it's, we're lucky that we have anesthesia always in house and, you know, we have the ability to do an emergency season. You know, it's not like we have Mm -hmm. to really call, everybody's kind of there at the same time. So we have a lot of resources and that's really important to bring up because like there are lots of very, very smaller hospitals that just don't have the resources. You know, it's not like we can just make an anesthesia team appear out of nowhere, you know? Right, exactly. And I think, you know, and this is a totally different topic, which you may have already talked about, but I think VBAC is something that that comes into play too. Yes. Because I always hear people think that, you know, someone just doesn't want to offer VBAC. and, And sometimes it's just that 
you're not in the right place for that to be safe. Right. You need to have the right resources around you. And this is kind of the same thing, although on a different level, I think. Yeah. No, I, that's a good point to add. No, that's, I have an article that I wrote about VBACs and that's a very blatant point that I add that it's like, VBACs are great and I'm very like pro VBAC. I come from a hospital that's very, very pro VBAC, but like you gotta be in the right place and you gotta have a provider with you that is also very pro VBAC and has the right kind of resources at the hospital that they work at. Exactly. That's exactly right. All right. So this next one is about epidurals. And this person said, do I have to have an epidural if I have twins? I think nothing in medicine is a have to have. Have Um, I generally recommend an epidural for people who are planning a vaginal delivery with twins. And the reason is because when we go back to talking about the breach baby B, after baby A comes out, there is two things that can happen. One, everything can just go smoothly and we just move on and have a baby. Or two, baby B can be in a position that isn't exactly easy to have the baby come out. So Mm -hmm. that's either transverse, there's a chance that an umbilical cord could come out or an arm. And if you have anesthesia like an epidural, my ability to move baby B into a position that is safe for delivery, either breech or head down, mm-hmm. is much both easier on the patient and more likely to be successful with anesthesia yeah. because it requires generally, so what I'm talking about is internal pedalic version. If the baby is transverse and I'm trying to grab the feet and bring baby B out breech, mm-hmm. that is invasive and uncomfortable and somebody who doesn't have anesthesia is going to have, you know, not a great experience if that's going to be fun. Exactly. (laughs) And then the other side of that is if we need to convert to a C-section, you don't have to be put to sleep because if baby A comes out head down and then baby B has a cord prolapse and we need to emergently change to a C-section, you get to still be awake for that. Mm -hmm. So I definitely recommend it. It's a risk-benefit analysis. And I don't, I mean, nobody should ever be forced to do anything, but I do think it's probably a a beneficial decision. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people, what I've seen a lot more, and I've read about people experiences with VBACs, especially, yeah, maybe they don't want to get an epidural where they have anesthesia running, but they'll just, anesthesia is okay with at least just placing the line and not giving any medication through. And that's a little, you know, we don't want to do that. This is a little bit different with twins because you do want to have anesthesia if you have to go in and turn the baby, like you said. But that is an option that you obviously have to talk to your provider about and see if that's going to be something that can happen. But that is something that I've just heard that, you know, is a possibility if you're like, "Eh, I don't really want to feel super numb, but I do just want to have the line there just in case I have to have a C-section then, hey, like maybe this is an option. So Yeah, I think for VBAC, that would definitely be something that I don't see why anyone would not yeah. be willing to do that. Yeah. For, you know, you said this already, but for twins, that kind of is not super helpful since right. the reason is because if we, we need we it, we're going to need it right then. But Yes, yes, exactly. All right, so this next one, I'm actually very curious about this one because people have asked me this question and I don't know how to answer it because I just I know how to talk to people about fetal kick counts, but like when you throw twins in there, I'm like, yeah, I have no idea what to do. (laughs) So this one is how do I count kicks effectively if I have twins and how do I know both are doing okay in there? And before we answer the twin one, let's first just talk about if somebody has no idea what kick counts are, just go over basic what kick counts are. And then let's talk about, you know, if you have twins, kind of what you do. 
Sure. So kick counts are something that we generally recommend patients start paying attention to around 28 weeks. And Mm -hmm. it's basically finding a time of day that baby is generally active and putting a number to their activity. Mm -hmm. So the way I have my patients do it is at the end of the day, if that's the time that baby is generally active, just lay down and pay attention just to baby and count how long it takes to get 10 kicks. And for most people, that's going to be five or six minutes. Mm-hmm. It can be up to an hour, but you want to figure out what's normal for your baby. And that way, when you have a day where you go, the baby's not moving as much, you lay down on your left side, drink some water, eat something, just pay attention to baby and count kicks. And if it takes a lot longer than normal and you feel like that's outside of the realm of what your baby's normal activity is, then that's a reason to call or come in. Yes. And so I really like to emphasize with kick counts that there is a normal for each baby that is not easy to quantify on a population level. Mm -hmm. So I want my patients to do kick counts and pay attention to movement. But at the end of the day, if they're really concerned that the movement is different, even if they're technically still meeting kick counts, I would rather them just tell me or come in than try to make themselves feel better at home if they truly feel like something's different. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's what I always, always tell people like, and there's something called mother's intuition, (laughs) women's intuition, you know, intuition. Like if you really feel like something is wrong, your provider is, if you have a good provider, they are not going to roll their eyes at you if you call and say, hey, like, can I just come in and just make sure everything's okay? Like they want you to come in and make sure everything's okay. Absolutely. I would rather someone come in 10 times and everything be okay than one person stay at home and needed to have come in and didn't. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's get into the twins now. How would you talk to a mom who has a twin pregnancy about fetal kick counts? Is it any different? Yeah. So, I mean, I have like my doctor brain that tells people, Mm -hmm. you know, you just count kicks and pay attention to movement and Mm -hmm. you just do it the same. And then I have my twin mom, I've been their brain. That's like, I just did not ever feel like I could decipher between which baby was moving. (laughs) Yeah. I could watch them on ultrasound and I would think baby A moved, but actually baby B kicked baby A and pushed (laughs) baby A to make it feel like that baby had moved. So I just felt like it was really hard, but I have twin moms tell me all the time that they think they can decipher between A and B. So I think this comes down to, there's going to be a normal amount of movement for you. Mm -hmm. And if that changes, then I want to know about it. So After 28 weeks, when movement should be a lot more consistent, just get a general idea of what is normal for your babies. And if you feel like movement's less one day, lay down, drink some water, pay attention just to the babies. If you still feel like something is not lining up, then call or come in so we can check it out. Super easy answer. Like, I feel like that's so simple and that makes so much sense. <laughs> Thank yeah, you for that. It's so hard when we don't have like, you know, you can't quantify these things. I feel like sometimes it's so hard to just give concrete information, yeah. but what we're all wanting. But at the end of the day, I agree. I mean, we all have intuition and that doesn't mean it's always right, but it right. does mean you should check it out if, if your underlying feeling is like, oh, I don't know, I'm worried about something. Then, you know, it's not like, and you know, this as a labor and delivery nurse, People always say, well, I don't want to go in and bother the 
L and D people. Yeah, it's like, no. But it's not uh, like we get to go home if you no. don't come in. We're still there. Just come in if you're worried. We'll happily see you. Exactly. We run, uh, hey, we run a 24-hour thing. Everybody's, somebody's there all the time at the hospital. Yeah. Like, hey, come up here. <laughs> Say like, hi. It's like Denny's. We're there all the time. <laughs> That's right. We never go home. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Well, this last question is about breastfeeding. And this person just says, can I breastfeed if I have twins? And I know the answer to this, but I want you to touch on it because I have heard, you know, it can be a little bit harder when you have twins. And I want to hear your experience too, if you breastfed or you didn't breastfeed with your twins. Sure. So can you still breastfeed if you have twins? Absolutely. That is definitely still an option. And your body makes a milk according to demand. So you can pretty much breastfeed any amount of babies as long as you're willing to let them nurse and realize how much time it takes. It's a very time consuming process, but it is definitely possible. I breastfed my twins exclusively. They never ended up having any formula, which I don't have anything against formula. It just worked out for us. And so we had a little bit of struggle in the beginning because they were four and a half pounds and they just weren't big enough to latch very well. Right. So while they were in the hospital, I pumped until my milk came in, which took about five days with everything wow. going on with them being in the NICU and me having been on mag and preeclamptic and all that. Yeah. And so they got donor milk for a couple of days in the NICU. And then after that, I was pumping and I would let them, you know, try to latch as much as possible. We finally got to where they would latch with a nipple shield, but they still just weren't transferring milk very well. So Mm -hmm. for about four or five weeks, I exclusively pumped and I would still let them try to latch every time. And if they were able to get milk that way, great. And if not, then I would pump and feed them with a bottle. And after four or five weeks, when they kind of got to their due date and they got a little bit bigger then they were able to transition to nursing and I was able to go to just pumping when I needed to and nursing them when I was home. And we kept that up for 14 months through my intern year of residency and all kinds of craziness. Oh, you. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's something that's good that you brought up too, that once they got to their due date, it was a little bit easier for them to latch because I think a lot of moms if they have any sort of preterm baby, whether they have multiples or whether they have one, that's a really, really important time (laughs) because they just get bigger and they just get more mature. And if you've been having trouble with breastfeeding, latching, that might be, you know, kind of when, so if you have a baby at 30 weeks, it might not be for a couple months that they're really able to latch on. Or if you have a baby, you know, when you had a baby at five weeks, it might not be for a few weeks. So, but yeah, it's just about maturity and like how big they are. I mean, yeah, it just makes sense. Like a four pound baby has such a small mouth, like they just can't do it. (laughs) Exactly. their, Their mouth around it. And something I always like to add in anytime we're having the breastfeeding discussion is, This is another place where it's so important to just be kind to yourself and not be afraid to change the plan if you need to. So it's okay to have a plan and to really want to stick with that. And you should give it every effort if that's important to you. But at the same time, if something is causing you more stress than you feel is worth, then don't be afraid to be kind to yourself about needing to change the plan. And I don't say that to be discouraging. I think it is completely possible, and I'm obviously a huge breastfeeding advocate, but I also never want somebody to hear, oh, I'm listening to this doctor on a podcast and she breastfed her twins, so why am I having trouble? I should be able to do this. It's just not like that. Everybody has their own struggles, and sometimes it works out, and if it works out 
that's wonderful. And there's great lactation consultants and people who can help with that. But it's okay also if you need to change the plan for your own sanity, for your own comfort, for the baby's sanity, whatever you need to do is fine. You can be successful, but be kind to yourself and give yourself grace to proceed as whatever is best for you and your babies. I love that. Well, that is a great way to kind of end things on on a very positive, like, yeah, go you (laughs) kind of note. (laughs) I love it. Well, can you just remind listeners where they can find you? Because we met on social media, guys. But obviously, you are in the social space as I am. So remind listeners where they can find you. I know you have a YouTube channel that we talked about in the beginning and your Instagram and all that. So where can people find you? Yeah, so I am Mom and Dr. Jones, basically all over the internet. Uh, I would say YouTube is my favorite platform and I definitely have a big presence on Instagram as well. And then I have a TikTok for whatever unknown reason. I love it. Uh, And I have a Facebook page, which is basically dead, but it's there. And I also have a blog and I occasionally write there. That's kind of how I got into social media, but it's now just kind of a back burner with everything else. But yeah, yeah, Mama Dr. Jones all over the internet. And I spend probably too much time there, but like you, Lisa, I feel like it's (laughs) such a great place to educate and give people the empowered ability to just learn about their own health. Absolutely. And I feel like, hey, this is why I started, I mean, I started my social media and all of this stuff for a lot of different reasons. But like one of the reasons was, hey, where's everybody at? Social media. And look at all, you know, there's so much negativity in social media and so many false articles out there and just like people saying all this stuff. So, hey, like, why don't I get on and just start educating? Everybody's already here. It's not like, you know, it's like, hey, why don't I use it for some good? (laughs) That's exactly right. And you do such a good job at it too. Thanks. Thanks. I try. I try. (laughs) My goal is always just to kind of be this voice of the gray middle ground and kind of unpolarize things and give us a space to come and talk about different angles and that it's okay if everybody doesn't always agree. And I don't know, I feel like we're at this point where everybody needs to have a polarized opinion on things. And I just want to be the person that's like, it's okay to meet in the middle and not be polarized. (laughs) Absolutely. And to just have conversation. Like it is okay to have conversation if you, even if you don't agree. I think we're just very, we've gotten very afraid of that and we need to get back to that. Absolutely. (laughs) So so I love it. Well, I will absolutely link all of your stuff in the show notes page for people to check you out. I love you, Mama Dr. Jones. (laughs) Danielle, you're so great. I follow all of your stuff. And I love her YouTube channel. I watch her. I'm subscribed to her and she's like one of the first people that comes up when I log into YouTube. So I love her YouTube. And now I love your TikTok. And I have TikTok like on my phone. And I'm like, TikTok is the kind of thing I've thought about doing a TikTok, but I'm just like, I, I, I just can't. I just can't. I'm like, so can't. I'm at a point with TikTok where it's like the epitome of what I think social media was invented to be, where you just get to be your silly yeah. fun self. And I know some people are using it for education and stuff, but yeah. right now for me, it's just like, I don't care how much engagement anything gets. I don't have to worry about it. I'm just going to go on there and be my own weird person. And <laughs> I love I, it. like, it's so wholesome to me right now. I love that. Well, maybe maybe I will start one just for that reason. <laughs> just to tell like, your listeners not to expect any life-changing TikToks right? from me. It's just me being, being silly, not an adult. And <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much again, Danielle, for joining me. I think this was a really great episode for people. Anybody who's having twins or interested in having twins, we got a lot of good info in here. So thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.